welcome to Disney Parks and Beyond, a Disney podcast about theme parks and all things Disney from the After Dark Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Disney Parks and Beyond. Uh, I'm Nick and on this episode I'm joined by uh, the wonderful Mr D. Hello there, hope everybody's keeping well. Indeed. Uh, And also joined by the isolated Ryan. (laughs) Still isolated. We're all isolated, mate. And we have a very special guest. Um, You know, someone we we try and get on um, as often as possible. We, We haven't tried for a while and... You will not believe this. This is two years to the day since the last episode came out that you were on. Oof, really? Yeah, it's Mr. Oh. Jim Hill. <laughs> well, I, again, witness protection had to, program has rules. I, I had to go into hiding for another two years. So. <laughs> we definitely will not be leaving it two years until we have you on again, Jim, because we do love having you on. Um, but but thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, these are unprecedented times, and we've talked about it a little bit on, on previous episodes, but I don't think there's anyone finer uh, to talk about these kind of situations uh, than somebody like yourself. Well, I, I think the thing that just fascinates me is if you think about it, we had the first COVID-19 story broke on December 31st of this year. So literally everything that's happened, you know, and, and you know, and it's a ridiculous amount of things that have happened. It's all happened inside of 90 days, mm. uh, which is, you know, when you think about how much our lives have changed, I, you know, in just that short period of time, it is kind of mind blowing. Oh, yeah. it's it, it's absolutely crazy, uh, really. When you do, uh, so on this episode, we are going to talk about, you know, the impacts on us a little bit, but you know, more importantly uh, to the listeners, at least, is uh, the situations uh, with Disney and obviously outside of uh, the Disney parks as well. But we cannot start th- these kind of conversations without asking the immortal question what is everybody drinking and uh jim as our guest uh what have you got to uh to drink while we're recording uh fuji apple uh what is this a seltzer water I, wow I, guys it, it's four o'clock in the afternoon here i you know just <laughs> maybe you know give me an hour or two we'll slide a little gin in there but you know <laughs> well. i'm still working so I, I had a, a team call this morning um, in my real life job, and um, it was a video call at nine o'clock this morning. And I was um, I, I didn't have time to make myself a coffee, so I had a rather large can of Monster Energy drink. And somebody accused me of drinking uh, Stella Artois on the team call, and I just said, "Well, it's five o'clock somewhere." Um, but of course, it's go. it's not five o'clock where you are. Um, oh. <laughs> almost, uh, Mister D, what are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking uh, my usual gin and tonic, um, and it's with my mm. special gin glass, Jim, and it says on the side of the glass, it's always gin o'clock. Oh, man after my own heart. If you had that glass, Jim, you could have got away with it. I could. <laughs> I could. <laughs> and Ryan, what are you drinking? I've got a, uh, a, a Starbucks caram- caramel macchiato flavoured drink. 
lactose free can... or no no just just a standard one it's, it's all you can get you know there's no starbucks open in the uk currently so yeah yeah how are you dealing with that ryan i'm not nick i'm not <laughs> we'll move on actually I, for my birthday which is going up i'm ordering a, a a coffee machine that will let me make my own flat whites and lattes like bean to cup basically beautiful so that's that's basically a stand that i'm going to that well i don't blame you you know you need your coffee um so uh, as we do in the first segment of the show we take a look at the disney parks After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. So, Jim, as I said, we we have talked about the situation a little bit on previous episodes, but... As you say, this whole thing really has happened in the last 90 days and it feels like almost, almost on a daily basis, that we're getting drip-fed more information and I I think it was over the weekend we got an update from Disney, didn't we? Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, you know, face it, we had that announcement that, you know, until further notice, the Disney parks, at least the stateside parks were closed indefinitely but at the same time did you see what got posted on the walt disney world reservation site yeah so uh, sorry by the way i'm drinking the michelob ultra i completely forgot to say what i was drinking i just opened it um yeah so if i'm if i remember i haven't got it in front of me but i'm pretty sure it said the first of june yes the the the, here's the the actual language they used that uh, Walt Disney World theme parks, Disney Resort hotels, and the Disney Springs area are currently closed, and a reopening date has not been identified. For guests who are interested in modifying their existing travel dates or making a reservation for a future vacation, reservations are currently available for travel dates June 1st and later. Uh, but again, they also they followed this with kind of sentence effect. As always, guests are able to modify these these bookings if Walt Disney World opens before or and it is a crucial part or after that date mm. so um I you know I don't know what to tell I you I don't think that I mean this is based on nothing other than my opinion mm-hmm. and the, the the way that it seems to be going in the US and and to be fair in the UK as well mm. I don't think that these parts are going to be open much before July at this rate if nothing significant changes especially in, in Orlando Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be a long time before they, we see these parks open safely for for guests. Well, see, here's the thing, you know, that that's we have President Trump, who, you know, I mean, there was there was the initial, I mean, we had this amazing weekend where uh, I want to say this started on March 15th or about where Governor Newsom of California announced that, you know, from that point forward, any non-essential gathering of 250 people or more 
uh, was effectively canceled, who was not allowed in the state of California. And, and you know, California is huge. I mean, you know, the 33 million people in that one state. Jesus. And so, and so that really started the dominoes falling. Uh, you know, that that at that point, in fact, what's interesting is that the CDC just two days after that announced, well, maybe you shouldn't do gatherings of 50 people or more. And then here's President Trump of the following day saying, may, you know, we, we, the new guidelines they were issuing at that point said no more than 10 people at any one gathering. And he just casually dropped at that point in the middle of this White House briefing that uh, it could be as late as July or August uh, before, you know, this gets resolved. Now, now mind you, oh, just a week later, you know, here's President Trump talking about, you know, if if he has his way, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the churches will be open on, you know, for Easter, which, by the way, that's April 12th. Uh, and, you know, the pews will be full. And uh, that lasted a week as well. Just today, you know, or excuse me, just last night, Sunday, uh, he announced that the social distancing guidelines here in the States have been extended all the way to April 30th. So um, I, I think that really when you get right down to it, the problem is, you know, nobody's the legitimate authority on this. And that's the irony that, that you've got governors in individual states here. I mean, for example, just today, Governor Santos of, um, of Florida, who's taken a lot of heat uh, you know, for example, that during spring break that he did not shut down the beaches. Mm. Uh, you know, he made that the responsibility of, of you know, individual cities, individual counties. Um, and just today, he announced, OK, fine. You know, that that's, you know, the, the district of stay at home order for South Florida, uh, where where is Osceola County and Orange County on their own? Uh, last Thursday announced uh, a two-week, uh, you know, stay-at-home order, mm. uh, you know, which is effective through April 9th. And that, again, you know, so much of this is, you know, uh, conditional on dominoes that, um, you know, from Disney's point of view, when, you know, you have the, the you know, the, the local officials in Osceola County and Orange County tell the people that they're staying home, among those 13 million people, are all of the employees that work at Walt Disney World. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, so we're not opening at least till then April 9th. And though what was interesting is for a lot of people, again, the canary in the coal mine was when uh, back on uh, March 21st, when the Hilton Orlando Buena Vista Palace announced that it was closed through April 30th. And, you know, for a lot of people who work in the travel industry, it was like, why are you being that specific? You know, what have you heard from Disney? Mm. Uh, so, you know, um, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, that every day what's weird is that, you know, as many people as I'm calling at Disney, I'm hearing from folks at Disney, you know, to the effect of what have you heard? Well, you know, what have, we, <laughs> what have you heard about the parks? What have you heard about the studio? You know, um, you know, that, that there's kind of this information drought. Um, but on the other hand, you know, from a PR point of view, you, you at least see Disney doing the right things. I don't know if you saw uh, the news that broke today that uh, Bob Iger has, uh, you know, bas basically given back his salary for all of 2020. And Bob Chapek, the new CEO of the company, has agreed to take 
a 50% pay cut, you know, for this year, you know, sort of sending the right message of like, look, at a time like this, when people are hurting, uh, we're not going to price gouge, we're not going to, you know, uh, you know, we're not going to line our own pockets. So. I, I, I did see that. Uh, we had a little talk about that actually in our, in our little chat group on on social media. Mm-hmm. The the problem I, I have with it is mm-hmm. yes, of course it's a, it's a positive message. You should lead from the top, mm-hmm. but you're talking about people. I mean, I obviously don't know what his uh, salary is now. He's moved role, um, but last year we know it's that still forty five million. Okay, okay, you know. Yeah, well, three 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 million, I believe, was his actual wage, and I think the rest wow. of it was bonuses and shares and all that kind of stuff um but we're but we're talking a lot of money so yes of course if somebody says i'm gonna waive my three million uh pound uh, three million dollar uh wage for the year uh in order to make sure that we can pay our employees and everything like that it is good but the other the other argument to that is should anyone really be on a salary that's that much regardless of the size of the company um it, it it screams a little bit of um you know a way of saving tax as well as as just doing that and of course that's that's looking at it in a negative way of course it is positive really because at the end of the day we are talking about thousands of employees right now who know that they're going to be paid uh, is it till the the eighteenth of April so far yeah no, yeah 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 it's, it's left open it's left open mm-hmm. um yeah. but we don't know from that date. Um, what's going to happen and you're, you're absolutely right we are living in a situation where no one and i mean globally no one really knows what the right thing to do is the only thing we do know is that we need to because there's no vaccine or there's no uh, drugs at the moment that are approved or are proven to work um the only way of really kind of trying to reduce this spread is by um social distancing and I'm only going to mention this once because I did mention on the last episode as well. But um, going back to what you were saying about uh, Orange and uh, uh, what was the other county? Osceola. Osceola. I, I can never pronounce it properly. Um, this this Sunday coming up is uh, is WrestleMania Sunday, the Super Bowl of wrestling, and because of that um, Thursday night deadline that was given last week. Um, they had to film uh, two weeks' worth of television shows plus this Super Bowl of wrestling um, in four days in order to get everything recorded. This was something that was supposed to be happening in a st- in uh, the uh, the Buccaneers Stadium down at Tampa Bay originally. That's true. And they had mm-hmm. to film it in their gym, essentially, um, in order to still have the content there. And they filmed, you know, 20-odd hours' worth of TV in four days before this lockdown happened, which meant they couldn't do anything more. Um, these are really crazy, unprecedented times where no one really seems to know what the best thing to do is, um, except try and avoid things. And Disney have obviously done the right thing in, in closing the parts. It's a sensible thing to do. But my concern is that we are dealing with America uh, with regards to this particular situation which has a huge populace all across the country. And unless you do a a real good shutdown, unless people are really obeying these rules, I think it's going to be very hard to get it contained 
you know, probably for the next two or three months, at least. I think so. I think so. I just, I don't know how much you know about what's going on in the UK, Jim, but I guess to put things into perspective, so we're currently on a, a nationwide three-week lockdown, which we're already thinking is going to be extended. And there's a, basically to try and flatten the curve mm. of cases. And we already think that's going to be extended. And there's lots of, of chatter that even with that three-week um, of isolation basically we we're still gonna have to extend it and potentially people won't be back to normal until june at the earliest and that's with the uk taking the most extreme measures i think we've seen since world war ii i mean correct me if i'm wrong nick um jeez what you ask i'm i'm only a few years older than you how am i gonna know i didn't live through the blitz even even mr d didn't live through the blitz <laughs> um, you're right just, yeah that's what concerns me about the parks in America is because there's no there's no nationwide lockdown happening. It's very isolated in different pockets of uh, of each state. I think what you, the problem you've got is you may well flatten the curve in Orlando and California uh, and maybe Florida to a wider extent, but there's going to be a lot of other states that haven't maybe taken this up yet or are in the process well, of doing so. That are, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know more than the, about it than no, I do. You, you're not wrong. I mean, again, you know, the, 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 we just talked about Governor DeSantis and the, um, you know, the fact that he, you know, two weeks of, of spring break, he let happen. But again, mm. you know, the... Had he never watched <sighs> Jaws? I mean, that's the lesson from Jaws, right? Shut down the beaches. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the map that actually, uh, you know, makes use of that footage. You know, we'll be reopened this weekend. You know, uh, you know, I forget his name, Hamilton. You know, that footage has been going all, around a lot on Twitter over the last. Uh, I mean, yeah, and you know, and and the weird part of it is, is that uh, New Hampshire, uh, you know, the, the state I live in, I can you know. It, you know, it literally says on our license plate, live free or die. We're, we're, we're a very independent people. But what was interesting is that Governor Sununu of our state decided, you know, if I have to change between the live free or the dying part, I think we, you know, so he actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, issued a, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a, a stay at home, uh, you know, and it's the same thing as, as you folks. We can still go out to grocery shop or go to the bank or pick up mail. But beyond that, you know, we're, we're supposed to be home. Um, and yeah, I mean, in the States we have, you know, these weird situations like uh, Mardi Gras, for example, uh, New Orleans has seen this almost frightening spike because, you know, again, at the time when, you know, this was, uh, Corona was really just getting started in the States, you know, here's the height of Mardi Gras and the streets are crowded and, you know, you know, everybody's drinking, everybody's hanging out. Um, in fact, that's the thing they're saying about all of these spring breakers who you know, came back from Florida. And it's just sort of like trying to nail home the message. So it's like, yes, OK, you're 18, 19, 20. You're immortal. Uh, but your grandparents aren't, you know, and, and here you are bringing this, you know, the, this, this virus back up with you to wherever you go to school and that sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think, again, it's interesting that just yesterday Trump said about, you know, that we're going to, you know, try to keep the social distancing and the stay home thing going through April 30th and try to evaluate. Um, I think the thing that concerns people, in fact, I, um, I know we'll be, you know, talking other parts of Disney later in the show, but um, 
they're a little concerned that, you know, so much of what the world is doing now is on the basis of what was done in Wuhan, you know, the, the effect yeah. of the, the shutdown there for eight weeks of that sort of thing. And I don't know if you, you noticed that, you know, the, uh, for example, China shut down its 70,000 theaters and just last Monday announced that, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to get back into showing, you know, stuff in theaters. And they, they opened up, you know, 500 theaters as sort of a, a test balloon. And then abruptly on Friday, they shut them down. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, Variety, you know, reported, uh, you know, talking with, you know, one of the guys who handles, uh, you know, theater trains here in the States, which, again, have also shut down. And it's like, that is not good news that, you know, the fact that they closed the theaters. There's always been this 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 rumbling that China is maybe underreporting what's going on over there because, of course, they want to get their own, you know, they want to get back to business. They want to get their factories going again. They want to start shipping goods overseas. And so it's, you know, it's kind of crucial for that to, you know, to the, hey, you know, COVID's in the river mirror. We're ready to get back to work. <laughs> Uh, but the fact that the theaters suddenly abruptly closed, and again, just a handful of theaters, we're not talking 70,000, we're just talking these, you know, 500 you know, or so that we're going to, they were doing the test with. That's not great news that that happened. So. What, what I saw, um, and I, I, I didn't look into it as much as, as you did, but I did see one report and they, because if I, if I remember rightly, they were, Marvel or, or Disney were re-releasing some of the Marvel films um, well, yeah, they, as part they of were, this reopening. Well, you know, the, 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 the feeling was that it had been, what, eight weeks, 12 weeks since people were allowed, you know, had been allowed to go into theaters. And they thought, yeah. boy, we're really going to have to prime the pump. We're going to have to do something special. Because face it, <laughs> nothing says I'm making a smart choice, like going into a dark theater full of other people right after, hey, <laughs> we've been dealing with an incredibly infectious version of you know, pneumonia. Uh, so that what they were planning on doing were, was stunt uh, film work. For example, Warner Brothers was readying. They, it turns out they have a 3D version of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. What? Uh, you know, that, that, yep. That, that evidently they've done a conversion of the very first Harry Potter movie. Right. And they were, you know, they were going to the first market they're going to release that to in 3D was China and. Disney, on the other hand, was going to go the other way. And depending on who you talk to, it was either the original Avengers and then Infinity Wars and Endgame, or, God help us, uh, all four of the Avengers films, including Age of Ultron. I heard I heard Age of Ultron was one of the, the films because I was a bit like, oh, man, that's, that's not going to work. Um, <laughs> but what I did see in, in, in the report that I saw was that... Um, when when they looked at or you know when I got the figures in, is that mm. some screens literally had one maybe two people in the whole screen, mm-hmm. and so it was a case you know and again this is what I saw so I don't know if this is gospel or not but so I think it was more a case of maybe maybe people aren't ready to go back. That's entirely possible. You know that that. Um... You know, that the and face it, you know, I mean, we're in this weird space now. Uh, you know, take for example, uh, you know, Disney got a lot of credit, you know, uh, for example, with what they just did with Onward, you know, to the effect of, uh, you know, that only arrived in theaters at the beginning of this month. 
um, you know, I want to say on March 6th here stateside. Yeah, no, and, same here, same here. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, here it is showing up. Uh, you know, it, it's now available if you want to go the digital HD ver route, but yep. uh, also, you know, starting on April 30th, it, it's there on Disney+. Plus. So, yep. uh, you know, for a lot of, you know, and that's the other thing, talking with folks who, who work in the studios or that sort of thing, it's like, wow, what happens if... This is what finally breaks the theatrical release model, you know, um, you know, because do you remember it was like three years ago, four years ago when there was that talk of the um, if you were willing to pay $50 on the day, you know, let's say, uh, you know, the fate of the furious came out, you know, mm -hmm. the, the eighth of the series. Uh, what what they do if you paid fifty dollars, you'd have a forty eight hour long license to watch the latest of you know that Universal series at home, and you could invite as many friends over into your house to watch that. Likewise, you could rewatch it as many times as you want. But at the end of the forty eight hours, that license went away, and and the notion was that you know the beauty of setting this fifty dollar price point was that the the exhibitor you know the you know uh got his cut as if you know two people had bought actual movie tickets to go see it in a the theater and then the studio got its cut you know it got you know again a nice chunk of 19 dollars there and uh you know and, and, and in theory everybody was happy except the you know the, the theater owner because let's be honest the way they make their real money is in popcorn and soda sales yep. uh, but um but yeah, now to be in this place where you know, for example, what is it, Trolls World Tour? Uh, well, we we're getting that in the UK next Monday. Um, I know that because I've got a very excited six-year-old who I accidentally <laughs> told that was going to be the case. Um, and of course, I I I said to her, look, um, you know, when this comes out, I will, uh, you know, we will rent it because it's a it's a forty-hour rental. And yep. uh, we'll get your friends around because they're not going to go to the cinema and see it. And we'll all watch it together. Uh, when I say we all will watch it together, what I mean is I turn it on, I bugger off out the room. But, um, of course, now that's not an option because she can't have her friends around. So I'm going to have to buy this for her. But yeah. <laughs> she's going to watch it. She's going to watch it, you know, at home with uh, her mum and her brother and I, I suppose me. Um mm -hmm. I, I say that I've there's much worse films than Trolls. Um, I, I recently, for example, had to sit through the uh, the Playmobil movie, and that was the worst animated film I've ever seen. Um, so this can't be as bad. But yes, it, it is a model, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more in a bit because okay. I think there's a there's okay. a, a a much bigger picture here with regards mm -hmm. to um, the cinemas, but. One thing I did want to ask you actually about the theme parks because we speculated about this on the on the last episode that we did mm -hmm. um, is when a park closes, what what that actually uh, means to the company. It's not as simple, obviously, as just turning the lights off or anything like that. You've got employees, you've got food, you've got all this you know stuff going on, and there were I I can't remember if Disney said this or it was rumored, but when they had to close down for hurricane um a few years ago they said something about losing about 30 to 40 million dollars each day it was closed 
Well, to put that in perspective, when when Disney announced they were closing Hong Kong and Shanghai, and you got to remember that, you know, in both of those cases, Disney's not the majority owner. Or, you know, I want to say they have thirty nine percent. The the in both cases, the government of Hong Kong owns the majority of that park, and then Shanghai is, you know, owned by the, the Chinese government. But they were saying that, you know, were these parks to stay. Uh, closed for eight weeks or about they were going to lose 175 million dollars um so you know just you know and and again that's uh you know taking exchange rates into consideration that sort of thing stateside um again i don't know if you you know saw what disney did just this past friday where you know they sold off a a, a bunch of securities uh, and it raised upwards in one day of $6 billion. Uh, mm. Mind you, this was, you know, on the back of bonds that, you know, some of which won't mature till 2025, and yes. a good portion of them won't mature till 2050. Uh, yeah, that, that's, you know, the, the weird part right now is that, you know, think about it. When, when a hurricane hits Walt Disney World, um, they literally tell the people, you know, who were in the hotels to shelter in place. And those folks are still going down to the restaurants. And, you know, maybe they're buying that awful little plastic box full of, you know, you know here's a bologna sandwich and apple and, you know, a water. That'll be 12 bucks. Yeah. Um, you know. Let me tell you from, from my experience of being in Walt Disney World during a hurricane, that mm. box is terrible. <laughs> Good voice of experience there, folks. Um, but again, you have you know you have thirty hotels full of people. You're still making money even if they're not going to the park. You know, in fact, I remember talking with somebody, uh, you know, who works in retail for parks and resorts, and they're like, "Oh God, we love that time because they have nothing other to do to do than to go down to those gift shops." in all of the hotels and it's you know mm. this is when and they're because it's wet they're springing for the sweatshirts um so you know they make money hand over fist but in a situation like this the hotels are closed the parks are closed even disney springs at this point is closed so yeah i mean you know that if that's the number you got that they lose 30 million dollars a day bump that up because again hotels empty disney springs empty um but at, but at the same time you know, this is Disney. They, you know, oh, kind of six billion dollars on the name and the reputation. You know, they were able to to raise six billion dollars in a day. Mm. You know, so different situation, different company. It, it's it's interesting because Shanghai has now it looks like either fully reopened or has opened up in in waves. Because I did see video today of um, a character dining experience where they the characters were not actually posing for photos with people, but they were standing relatively close to them. Um, so the effects are still being felt out there, but oh, Grother, the uh, parts sorry, are I, I I don't mean to interrupt, but it, it's again Shanghai Disneyland did in fact reopen sort of uh, back on March 9th. Uh, they, they, the way they explained it, it's a phased reopening uh, with a limited number of shops, dining, and recreation experiences. Uh, and to be specific, we're talking about Disneyland, uh, Shanghai Disneyland Hotel, Disney Town, which is their retail shopping district, and this thing called the Wishing Star Park, which I guess is a lakefront park. 
but I, in that coverage, did they show you how they let people just into this area of the park? No. Oh, okay. You, you have to chase down this video. It's, it's amazing. First of all, everybody has to go through a tent where, you know, first of all, as you're entering the tent, you're told to take your hat off because they're thermal scanning you. Right. And, yep. All right. Everyone's body temperature is being checked. Uh, and, you know, that uh, then once you, if, you know, and again, I, I guess the rule is if you have, uh, what is it, a, a 100.4 temperature, they're allowed to send you home. They're allowed to turn you away. That That's, that's evidently the, the fever range for COVID, you know, corona. But then if you're allowed in, um, well, first of all, you have to wear your face mask the entire time. You have to keep a safe distance from all others while shopping and dining. <laughs> you know, it's one of these things, you know, you must wash your hands frequently. You must do, again, this is literally, they, 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 these are on folded signs as you all over the park. It's, it must maintain good personal hygiene, must avoid touching your face. But the more interesting thing is you are required before you can set foot anywhere on Shanghai Disney property. You have to be able to present your Shanghai Health QR code. Wow. Uh, you know, they have to be able to scan, which means they have to have access to your health records that say, okay, yes, you know, that, that you know, has not experienced any health problems over the last few months or thereabouts. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, it, 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 and, and the weird part of it is this whole, um, uh, thermal scanning thing, uh, that actually comes from Universal Studios Shanghai, excuse me, uh, Singapore, which has not closed down at all. I mean, if you think about it, every major theme park in all of Asia has, has shut down and remains shut down. I, I think Legoland Japan flirted with coming back up until the prime minister uh, you know, said something to the effect of he was extending the closure of the country. Um, but Singapore stayed open, and that's largely because the theme park there is sort of the family-friendly draw to, I want to say, Sinesta World Resorts, which has two giant casinos. And, you know, the whole notion is, well, you know, we got to keep them gambling, so they have to still come. But um, but they are checking. They, they have altered the entrance not only at the front of the park for guests, but also at the back of the park where the, the team members who actually work at the Universal Parks uh, come in. And there is a doctor and a security person there. And same thing, everybody going into the park is thermal scanned. And anybody, again, who's showing that 100.4 temperature or higher is taken out of the line and sent home. So The only problem with that, though, is that they reckon somewhere between 30 and 40 percent of people who have got the virus don't show any symptoms yeah yeah that's that, that that's the unique challenge of this one um but you know again that's the problem of you, you know you're working with the old healthcare rules trying to deal with an entirely new animal i'm and, just amazed that they would even open a theme park i, I my view is the theme parks are going to be the last things to open because, you know, you think about Walt Disney World, you know, mm -hmm. an international meeting place where all those people are all packed together and it doesn't, you can't, 
Can you see any way, Jim, that you can introduce proper social distancing in a theme park? I'm really struggling with it. <laughs> well, you know, think about it. How, you know, how many of us, you know, the, the, you know, the queues which are modeled. I mean, Disney got that idea from the Chicago stockyards, or you know, mm. how you move cows along to the slaughter. You know, yeah. and you know, how are you? You know, for example, you know, when Nancy and I. Uh, have been grocery shopping, you know, lately we'll go out like once a week to our local Target. And only just this week did our Target actually get serious about social distancing. They created sort of this artificial queue with giant blue X's on the ground that are six mm -hmm. feet apart. And the whole notion of please observe the social distance and, you mm -hmm. know, because there were a lot of people who just weren't doing it voluntarily. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, you know, you guys have small children. You know, the, the, explaining social distancing to your child, especially someplace like Walt Disney World, where it's you know, you know, yes, there's Mickey. No, you can't run into his arms, but you can stand here six feet away and wave at him. It's yeah. like that, that is just not going to fly. Well, you yeah. you say that, but uh, in Disneyland Paris, we're we're very used to that when it comes to meeting the characters from Frozen. Because you can't meet the princesses. You've not been able to meet the princesses since the film uh, first came out. And they had um, they had them in the Princess Pavilion, which is uh, the area in Disneyland Paris where you can meet the princesses. They had Anna and Elsa there. And they would get six-hour queues. And uh, on one occasion, uh, a disgruntled parent, when the Anna and Elsas uh, were going on a break, uh, punched one of them in the face. So um, they they stopped that, and we just had in Disneyland Paris this this January um, mm -hmm. a Frozen festival, and mm -hmm. the closest you could get to the the actual princesses was in a parade where you could uh, stand about ten feet away from them and wave, and that was as close as you was able to get to them. So um, I think Disneyland Paris will be all right, but I mean going back to what you said, Mister D, I I I can only think that. Before you go, when when these parts reopen, and they will at some point, but when mm -hmm. they do, that they have to put up like, I don't know, temporary wash stations or something. And before you get on Big Thunder Mountain or whatever, you have to be watched cleaning your hands before you get into that attraction. You get onto the, the train. Because obviously the, the big thing at the moment is the fact you've got to, you know, constantly wash your hands, make sure your hands are clean, because that's how it spreads. And if they don't do that, then every time that train has people in it and they come out of it, you're going to have to get a cleaning team in there to scrub it all down before the next people get in. Yeah, but I mean, hand washing is only part of it, and it? it's not. Yes. It's not just that. It's if people cough, sneeze. Oh, you speaking know. of which, you know, <laughs> as if we didn't need. Another thing to be concerned about, I forget which of the 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 papers here in the States, you know, said, by the way, we we figured out, you know, that when you cough, you actually, you know, the germs can, can make it through the air as far as 27 feet. And, and I also want to say that the COVID virus supposedly is able to survive on surfaces for as much as 48 hours. So it's like, you know, I mean, I think the hard reality. I, I think you guys are onto something that that um, 
yeah, it, it's going to have to be different for a while. But, 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 but at the same time, think about uh, how it was to fly after 9-11. You know, uh, you know, that that's I mean, here in the States, it, you know, I mean, it used to be you could walk down to the gate and meet friends and family. And, you know, as they arrived and suddenly flying became, well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, never mind flying. Look, look at uh, getting into a Disney theme park. You know, overnight you had that bag check leap up. Um, in fact, that's, you know, uh, you know, how would you like to be the guy? who just spent all of the money and all the time redesigning the entrance of Disney's Hollywood studios. So, you know, it's, it's now that much easier to get through bag check and it's, you know, it, it's that much more pleasant an experience. And now suddenly, as you guys mentioned, you know, Oh, and we have to put the hand sanitizer stations in that we never planned for. Yeah. Um, but th- you know, that's, that's the thing of real life. Um, you know, no. it just, just have to roll with the punches sometime. Look on the bright side, Jim. The queue times for Rise of the Resistance have gone right down in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a walk. On the other hand, how would you like to be the the poor guy who works in janitorial services <laughs> at yeah. Disney and and think about all you know how much how highly detailed that just the queue space on that thing mm. is. And, you know, how the hell are, are you going to clean that space or let alone, you know, the, the, the shuttles, you know, that, that, you know, take you up to the, the, the Star Destroyer? You know, um, you know that it, at least for a while until somebody can definitively say, OK, the virus is dead. Get on with your life. Um, yeah. It, it, when these parks reopen, it's going to be interesting. Or until the health services can ramp up the number of ventilators and beds that they've got that they can handle the cases yeah because i mean and i mean again we don't know no one knows for sure yet but normally what happens with one of these kind of viruses is that if you get the virus and you have you know you you go through all of that and i mean as mr d said you know some people have had this virus and had no symptoms at all other people have you know had to you know die um through the virus because of what it's done to them um but the the thing is no one knows if you've had it once that you'll get it again the 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 the, the normal the the normal situation one of these things is if you've had a virus and Mm. you have defeat you know your body has fought back against that virus it builds Mm. up an immunity to it but we at this stage cannot be certain that that's Mm. even the case so I mean, I, I think what the the desire is for for all countries really at the moment is we can't beat this thing because there is no cure for it. So what we've got to do, and they were talking about this herd immunity thing in the UK, that, but what they were trying to do is like say, look, the more people that have had it, the more likely they're going to fight up against this, and you know it will mutate and it will become weakened, and and that means that more people survive. But the only way to do that is to make sure that you have enough facilities that for those people that do get sick, if they get really sick, the care is there. And at the moment, you know, we're not prepared for it. America is oh, not prepared for it. No, no, certainly um, not. Most European but, countries aren't prepared for it. So, But that, that honestly, let's be completely honest here. You know, the thing of a pandemic, 
is that, well, I mean, it's the old cliche, you don't build a church for Sunday morning, you know, when the entire world turns out, you know, the, the one time of year that, you know, everyone gets dressed up and goes to church, you know, uh, you know, and that's the thing with the hospitals, you know, there are medical facilities that they, they built for, you know, the, you know, the normal, you know, populace, you know, you know, getting sick, getting old, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, normal day to day stuff. In fact, what's been kind of interesting here in the States is the pushback about, you know, all the folks who who got elective uh, procedures coming up, whether it's knee replacements or hip replacements or, you know, out in California, you know, plastic surgery or the like. And it's like, look, I'm sorry, I'm a doctor. I actually have to work on six pay sick people as opposed to your nose you know so you and your nose stay home and when you know when the patient load goes down we can talk about making you more attractive you know so <laughs> i don't think there's any surgeon that can make me um more attractive but i suppose that's the thing you know this is all speculation no one and, and not even yourself jim who is mm. someone i would always turn to to try and get the the kind of facts about what's going on you know, you can't answer this because it is so unusual that no one can actually turn around and say, this is what is going to happen or this is when these parts are going to open. Um, you know, obviously, Disney want them open up as quickly as possible, but they also don't want to open them up when there's still a chance that people can get really sick and die because that means lawsuits. And oh, also... No, I, absolutely. And also you've got this, and I don't, I don't know if it's just a Florida thing, and you can correct me here, or if it's an America thing, but, um, you know, if you need to get a disabled access pass, um, they can't ask you, um, you know, what the, the, the condition is, what the evidence you've got is, which is different to most places, because even Disneyland Paris, you need to take with you your evidence that you have whatever condition you've got. Um, so if that's the case with disabilities, then surely that's going to be the same for have you had COVID-19? You know, I had not even thought about that. You know, in fact, you know, the, the whole, you know, that's always been something of a sore point with me anyway. I mean, you know, face it, there, you know, in fact, it, it's always a little frustrating, you know, to see somebody who's, you know, <laughs> You know, their fam they and their family are there, and obviously over from the Give Kids the World Village, you know, but they're in the same line with, you know, somebody who's my size, but on an electric cart. And it's just sort of like, okay, I get that the kid, you know, from Give Kids the World, I understand why they're in this line. I, I'm, you know, and that's, you know, but at the same time, it's like you have to respect somebody's privacy and, you know, that, that, um, I, uh, there's a famous joke. Uh, are you familiar with the comedian Jonathan Winters? Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, that, that at one point, uh, you know, he, he pulls into a parking lot, he parks in a handicapped spot and this irate woman runs up to him and, and, you know, it's just like, you can't park there. You know, you're not handicapped. And he turns to the woman and says, have you seen inside my mind? And <laughs> she immediately backed off. Like, you have a point. Never mind. I'll be over here. So, the thing, yeah, I mean, you just don't know. So It, it doesn't make sense to me because I've got um, an autistic son. He's, he's nonverbal autistic. And we've not taken him to Disneyland Paris uh, since we had the diagnosis. But we took him before... 
we knew for sure that he did. Yeah. So obviously we couldn't get any support. But when we next go to Disneyland Paris with him, whenever that shall mm-hmm. be, um, you know, we have um, papers and we have a, a, a parking badge um, so that we can tell it with us to say, this is what he's got. And they will ask you for this. And I get you standing in a queue, not wanting mm-hmm. to ask somebody, what the hell are you doing here? But I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with the company that's going to be giving you this pass to actually know what you're getting it for. Because, again, what Disneyland Paris do, if you've got autism, there is, mm-hmm. I think, one or two attractions you can't go on because of having that condition. And if you've got a, a false leg, there are attractions you can't go on because of your condition. So they tick your, they tick your pass as to what you can and can't do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But we that that's a situation, and it, it does worry me that, you know, as things stand, the law states that you can't ask people about these kind of things. And so, therefore, you could have somebody who knows that they've got it, um, and you can't do anything about it because you can't actually ask them. Coronavirus could stand that on its head, though. I mean, if no, that... no, no. That, that that's what I was about to say. That you know, yeah. that, that you know. Remember, we we, you know, we're through the looking glass here. That there could be an entirely different set of rules on the other yeah. side there, and we could, and again, you know, that that I think as as you said at the top here with this segment, it's like. Anybody who says they know exactly when the parks are going to reopen or how Disney's going to operate them, you know, on the other side of COVID-19, it's lying through their teeth. They're, they're, they're Disney's still feeling their way themselves. So uh, we'll just have to wait to see what happens when these parks do finally reopen. But to... It could be, though. Sorry, Nick. No, go on, Mr. D. I was just, just going to say it could be that when these antibody tests are in, are in wide distribution, that that should take it into the park, that you actually have to produce uh, a test result, a positive test result that you've uh, that you've been exposed to and you've got the antibody yeah. pre, pre-vaccination. Pre and then, yeah. you know, but you can see there's a, there's a huge marketing opportunity, you know, in terms of the ears, but no, we could be talking about masks as well. <laughs> Mickey masks. Oh, yeah. Please, please. In fact, just I did, you've probably seen this previously. I want to say it was in 1942. They actually had, in fact, there's this amazing photo of Walt with a, a general from the, the U.S. Army, and it's the Mickey Mouse gas mask. Um, <laughs> they and seriously, Google that right now. Uh, I, I want to say there's only they only made a thousand of them, and they are ridiculously highly praised uh, among, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse collectors. You know, you know, the only thing I think would be more appalling is the, you know, and, and and kids don't forget your Mickey Mouse clubhouse bomb shelter. You know, just you know, put build one of those out in the backyard. So. I'm still waiting for my old yellow just... cuddly toy. <laughs> Did I did I ever tell you about um, there, there there was a Imagineer David Mumford. In fact, he did a lot of um, the uh, you know uh, a lot of the, the the formative work on on Splash Mountain on the original Star Tours. Lovely guy. We we lost him. Uh, I want to say ten or fifteen years ago to cancer, but he was a huge dog lover. In fact, when he and his wife Carol got married, their their two dogs were. Uh, effectively, the the matron of honor and the the best man. You know, they carried the rings up the aisle. 
but uh, you know, but but David was still at the company at a time when, you know, suddenly the the word came down that everything uh, had to be tied to a Disney character, and and one of his his meaner friends at Imagineering is like, David, have you seen the proposal that just came through? And it's like, what? Oh, we're retheming the Frontierland shooting gallery. And so, oh, really, how? The old yeller. You know, it's just, <laughs> and the idea is that every day they'd go over to the Orange County, you know, uh, you know the pound and, and collect a dog or two. And then, you know, that, that again, that's what you'd do. You'd have to, you know, kill the dog that, you know, that was foaming at the mouth. So, um I think David was offended for about 30 seconds, but then realized he was being put on. But it's just like, oh. oh. I would put nothing past them. Um, before we move on um, to to the next segment, uh, I know we've just all established that we can't guess when this is going to happen. But if you were putting money on this, if you were able to put a, you know a, a wager on when Disney might even consider being in a position where they could start to reopen their American parks, when do you think that would likely be in this current climate? Well, again, I have to admit, I'm I'm intrigued by that one-two punch of we're closed indefinitely, but the reservation page says Jan or June first. Um, but at the same time, I can't help. But, you know, listen to what President Trump said and the whole notion of this could extend as long as July or August. So um, let me be a complete jerk here and say, hey, summer, you know, 2020, you know, which gives me a, a lovely leeway of June 21st to what, September 21st. You know, I can check that that's one of Len's favorite jokes. That's what Disney does. They, they will. And I'll say, hey, we're opening in summer or whatever. So it's like, good, I got 90 days. You know, and as long as, you know, for example, if I say summer and it opens September 20th, I wasn't lying. So. <laughs> or as Mayor Vaughan says in Jaws, we may be able to say 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, yes. Right. I'm, thinking, just... I'm thinking they will do everything they can to be open for 4th of July. Yeah. But I think it will maybe be the week before if the curve is starting to be flattened mm. and if they've got enough beds in place because that's what makes the difference in that yeah. i mean we've seen yeah. that in italy yeah. it's mm. it's the difference between one percent dying and four percent or five percent dying mm. if, they, okay. if they've got the beds to treat them it's one percent if they don't have the beds to treat them it's five six seven percent I, yeah. I you know what this is this has got to be the time that universal uh, must be regretting closing down jaws because what what great theming that would have been had they been able to reopen in time for the 4th of July. Um, but and, and the other thing as well, the other thing as well is what's going to happen when those parts do reopen. Because even if Trump comes out and says, we've, we've done it, uh, you know, it's not gone, but, we, you know, we can deal with it. You know, you can carry on, go back to normal. Um, do you honestly think people are going to flood back to the parks because i think because of what we're all going through right now there will be a lot of trepidation not people not wanting to go back to the parks necessarily because i think you know everyone wants them to be reopened but that kind of nervousness of when is it safe for me to go back well but the, i think the other thing you're overlooking here is are, are you familiar with what happened in, in 2011 with the Tohoku earthquake in Japan, you know, the, um, 
the Disney parks there um, had to close. They didn't reopen till April 15th of that year. Um, and in fact, if, if you ever get the chance to see uh, the imaginary story, that wonderful six-part documentary that Leslie Iwerks put together, it's it's. Um, has Disney Springs arrived in the UK yet, or Disney? Uh, and this is a conspiracy. This is a conspiracy theory. Um, we've mm-hmm. we've all been discussing as well because uh, we got put on lockdown uh, last Monday, um, mm-hmm. just a few hours before Disney Plus launched in the UK. Ooh. So you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to say Disney are part of the Illuminati, but the timing okay, okay, okay. was uh, wow. very convenient. <laughs> Uh, I've seen to the... see if Boris got a check. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen the Imagineering story though. It is it is genuinely fantastic. Yeah. It is. Well, I want to say it's the fourth installment or the fifth installment where you're actually in uh, Tokyo Disneyland when the earthquake happens. Yeah, and... super emotional that as well, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see that. That's the other thing that uh, I, the reason I bring this up is when they reopened the park on April fifteenth after you know the country itself had been closed. And, you know, they, they show this footage of, of Japanese people in tears going up to Mickey Mouse and, and literally just thanking him for reopening his park. Because it's like, I mean, that that's remember, there's that great book by Death, Beth Dunlop about the Disney parks called The Architecture of Reassurance. And, you know, for a lot of people, you know, I mean, legitimately, the Disney theme parks are their happy place. That you know that the, the the place where they go to be reassured, the the folk that you know that, that life may be terrible as an adult, but you know you get to be a kid again when you go to Disney. So, um, I, I would imagine when Disney reopens, there's going to be this crazy surge of people who just want to go and you know and again you you you, you know they're going to have to get used to a lot of people standing in you know town square you know with tears running down their face because like i'm back it's open it's okay things are okay again Mm. um but then again you know not not to be debbie downer here but remember when all of this stuff shut down we had all of these construction projects whether it's the tron like cycles or the the guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind all of these things that were being readied for the 50th anniversary that, you know, I kept literally, I just going to sit there and with no work happening. Cause again, you know, because of this whole social distancing, no more than 10 people uh, and you can't work a construction site with, you know, with 10 people. So um, people have to be understand that when these places reopen, you know, that, that, <laughs> You know, don't be a jerk. It's like, you know, why isn't Ratatouille opened? It's like, why? Because the people just like you who worked on it were sitting in their houses, you know, watching, you know, videos on YouTube, you know, waiting to be told they could go back to work. So um, it could be, it could result in a very, very different 50th anniversary, couldn't it? You, yeah. you are not wrong. You are not wrong. I think there'll be a bit of tolerance in terms of, I hope so, because I hope so. just be Same glad. You know, you know so. but again, you know, that that's, um, you know, that, that let's face it, there, there's this whole subset of Disney fans who just have this ridiculous sense of false entitlement. And, you know, the whole notion of, you know, why isn't this open? <laughs> well, there's this little thing that's pandemic, you know, so. Yeah. Of course, the other thing that we haven't really, we haven't really touched on, Jim, which is another hot potato in terms of containment and 
social uh, social distancing is the cruise line. You got four ships parked up and another couple on the way. Oh, jeez. You know, and it just, a, a guy will tell you when the Princess Diamond, when it arrived in Yokohama back in February, and they, they you know, effectively quarantined those, what is it, 3,300, you know, passengers on the ship. I, mm. I can tell you from friends at the Disney Cruise Line, they were horrified because it's just yeah. sort of like, you know, if you think about the, the number of people who, you know, were about to book a Disney cruise and saw that and thought, well, maybe I don't want to be on a boat, you know. Um, you know, and, and you're right. You know, the fact that, you know, they're here, the, these three other ships are, uh, you know, when the shipyards can reopen, um, you know, the fact they had explained to the fleet cause they needed to needed that for demand. Uh, yeah. and you know, you, you know, anybody in the cruise business, in fact, I was just hearing that they, they're taking bets evidently the cruise business about on the other side of this, what princess renames itself. You know, after this, because who's going to want to get on a princess cruise? You yeah. know, after all of this happening. Yeah, you might as well just name your cruise line Titanic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, just just go all out, guys. There you go. There you go. Oh. So, yeah. if you've got multiple ships, you could have Titanic, Costa, and Corona. <laughs> there's your there's your lineup. Oh, what could go wrong? Yeah, they could all. They Costa could... del Corona. I should be on marketing. You, I mean, it's probably, what, it's probably what Richard Branson should rename his uh, his new cruise ship himself. But uh, um, right, let us um, talk about the other topic um, that this is obviously having an impact on, and that is the the Disney stuff that is happening outside of the parks. And of course, as we move over to that segment, uh, and you do want to book your Disney holiday for later in the year, WP Magic Journeys will be uh, a good company to do that with. But uh, Let's go over there. Let's get down to business to start planning that Disney trip. I'm Wendy Prater and Magical Journeys Travel here, proud sponsor of the Disney Parks and Beyond podcast. I specialize in all things Disney, Universal, and all major cruise lines. Disney cruises are spectacular, but you've got to book early to get the best pricing and stateroom selection. I offer generous onboard credits and take care of all your planning. Interested in Disney World, Disneyland, or Disneyland Paris? I can help with every bit of the planning process, including dining and fast passes. Find me on the Twitters at WP Magic Journeys or email me at Wendy Prater at MagicalJourneysTravel.com. I make the plans, you make the memories. So we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, Jim, and we talked about the fact that there is this new uh, model in place. And funny enough, uh, myself and Mr. D... Uh, we both got to see Onward before uh, the cinemas closed in in the UK, um, and it, it's it's very it's very unusual. It's very unprecedented what's what's been going on, and Universal Studios were the, the first ones out of the gate to kind of say, "Look, we're going to release our latest releases on home demand right now." Um, I think it was like five days from the announcement to them actually appearing on. You know iTunes and uh, Google Store, and you know how, wherever else you consume your video on demand content, um, and and they released their stuff um, with that forty-eight hour window that you were talking about. They were proposing for uh, Fast and Furious, and they launched with um, the Invisible Man, which had uh, been out for about two or three weeks at that point, um, and the Hunt and Emma, which had literally come out. 
the the Friday before the announcement. Um, and then, as you said, uh, Trolls World Tour, which was going to be their next big release for like the, the Easter break um, over here in the UK and, of course, in the States. And all of those films are on a 48-hour rental. I think they're priced at about $20 in the US. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and I, and I don't think... I mean, I, I, I did hear from, from some of our listeners that they thought the price was, was quite high, but I said, what you got to remember is that they're doing this because they effectively want you to pay for cinema tickets. So... By pricing it at that as a rental, that's the equivalent of you, you know, two people going to the cinema to see the film anyway. You're not wrong. But what's kind of interesting here in the States is just last week they announced that, um, what is it? Um, Call of the Wild, the uh, yes. which Disney released through its 20th century arm. Um, that actually is debuting at a $14.99 price point. And then there's that Will Ferrell, Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie that I want to say Lionsgate put out. Uh, and that's debuting at a $9.99 price point. So it's, it's interesting that you say the, you know, there's, there, there is a sensitivity in the industry, but $19.99 might be a little high. And Let's try these other price points and see how people respond. So, um, you know, they're, they're paying attention. You know, they, they, it's not a question of the they're going in blind. But, um, but yeah, the, 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 you know, it, it's interesting that you, you bring up that 1999 price point. Well, the, the thing with, with Onward is it was, I, I, and I suppose you've got now in, in with the power of hindsight, you can kind of suggest that the reason why its opening box office was was quite bad. I mean, I think it's one of the lowest, if not the lowest, um, Pixar um, debuts. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, you know, up there with The Last Dinosaur, or down there with The Last Dinosaur, which also had a, a quite horrific um, opening box office weekend. But, you know, Onward obviously had this COVID-19 uh, stigma hanging about where people started to to not go out to the cinema. Um, what I find interesting, though, with with what Disney have done with Onward compared to what Universal are doing, is that you know they've released it now, and you can you can buy that now, and you can have that to own. But in in less than what was it five weeks, I think after that debuted for video on demand, that mm-hmm. that is going to appear on Disney Plus. And what what kind of confuses me a little bit about that decision is that you will get people that want to watch it now or will want to own it forever with the rest of their collection and will pay that money now. But most of those people probably have Disney Plus. And so why, why pay $20 now for it or however much it is? Um, when in just a few weeks I can just wait for it and it will appear on Disney Plus. It seems like they're really rushing it quickly onto Disney Plus for some reason. Well, <clears throat> I, I wish I could say I, I was the one who came up with this observation, but it's actually uh, Drew Taylor, the gentleman I, I do the fine-tuning podcast with. But you have to understand, from um, a, a stateside point of view, and again, this is strictly stateside point of view in regard to Disney Springs, or, or excuse me, uh, Disney Plus. Um, the that 
subscription streaming service here launched November 12th. And for six weeks, you know, people in the States were losing their mind over The Mandalorian, which I don't know if you, you – are they doing the same thing over there? They're doing one episode at a time? Or are they giving them to you all at once? Or what no, is the deal? They've done the, they've done the same weird decision. And I, I, I say weird, and I'll caveat that in a minute. Um, but we got episodes one and two on launch day. We got episode mm-hmm. three on the Friday. So, again, it, it launched on the Tuesday in the UK. Um, and then it's going to be weekly going forward. So there'll be a new episode. Episode four will be uh, on in the UK uh, when this podcast goes out. Um, but the reason why I think that's odd is because mm-hmm. we are, you know, five months behind. Mm-hmm. So anyone... I, I, I'll hold my hands up to this. I paid for an iTunes uh, gift card in the States with my mm-hmm. US iTunes account. I subscribed to Disney Plus so I could watch The Mandalorian uh, last year because I was not okay. waiting until it launched in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd paid Disney to, to watch it, but mm-hmm. I technically I did it, you know, not in the, in the proper way. Um, so the fact that we are so many months removed from when it first debuted... I find mm-hmm. it very odd that we are following the same model. Series season two of The Mandalorian absolutely makes sense, but mm-hmm. you know, people that already wanted to watch it desperately have already found a way to watch it. Um, it. So I, I don't understand why we're finding the same model, and um, it's the same with the Imagineering story, but mm-hmm. not the world according to Jeff Goldblum. All episodes now available to stream in the UK. So Weird. Okay. yeah, that, very odd. That, that, that. Okay. But, uh, all right, again, and I apologize, this is strictly a stateside thing, but uh, Mandalorian finishes running in December. And, you know, uh, you know, there are individual films that came out, you know, since that time, Timmy Fillier, uh, stuff like that, but nothing quite energized um, subscribers uh for you know uh, disney plus the way that uh mandalorian did and you know remember that disney's had uh 29 million people here in the state sign up for this thing the goal within five years is to have 100 million subscribers and you know that everyone's sort of staring over the horizon and it's just the notion of what mandalorian season two doesn't get here till october and even you know and you know yet again this was when it was still in production uh you know uh, the falcon and the winter soldier wasn't supposed to arrive till august and then mm-hmm. you know uh wandavision wasn't supposed to begin airing till december and all of that's kind of gone out the window um but on the other hand to turn around and in kind of a one-two punch think about it here in the states uh they made uh frozen you know, two available on the subscription streaming service. Uh, I want to say uh, Sunday, March fifteenth. Yes. And then uh, you know, you know, and again, just as you know, a lot of people were being told, you know, that you know the kids are out of school and you have to you know stay home and desperate for for something to, to entertain the kids. And you know, in fact, <laughs> it's. Uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, the, the, the nighttime host here, was uh, recently made a joke to the effect of his kids, uh, you know, have watched you know, Frozen 2. He, at this point, he's seen Frozen 2 more than people who made the movie, you know. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, that if you checked his blood type at this point, it's now Disney Plus. 
Um, but, you know, the, the, by putting Onward here in the States, uh, by making it available on Disney Plus on April 3rd, that's, and again, this is Drew's insight, that, that solves a great many problems for, for Disney Plus. You know, the, the effect of, you know, people are complaining, well, there's nothing new and exciting, you know, till Mandalorian or Winter Soldiers. It's like, oh, really? You mean Onward, the, you know, the, the brand new Pixar film that only was in theaters starting on March 6th. You know, you're not excited about that? Well, yeah, I'm a little excited. You know, I mean, it, it gives them, you know, and especially at a time like now, uh, you know, the, the, think about the amount of goodwill. I mean, yes, people still have to pay here in the States. The basic package for Disney Plus is $6.99 a month. But um, but again, if you're you're a parent who's, who's stuck, you know, at home with your children and trying to entertain them, the fact that, the film that, that was out in theaters last month is now on Disney Plus. It's like, okay, I got to get that, you know. Mm. Um, and and more to the point, it's just sort of like that. There, there's got to be at least a part of you that recognizes, wow, that totally blows the all of the the previously established revenue streams for a film like that. Because think about it, there was theatrical release, then there was pay per view. Then there was Blu-ray and DVD, and then finally, on the other end of that, was going to be Disney Plus, and Disney collapsed all that down inside of four weeks. Um, you know, and the money that fell off the table there. Uh, but again, you know that that if you weigh in the goodwill, and more to the point, the people who turned around and actually did subscribe to Disney Plus just to get access to that film. Um, you know, they they. There was some money made. I just, I kind of feel bad for Dan Scanlon and the crew at Pixar who, you know, been laboring on this thing for what, four years, you know, and this is what they got. It's like, hi, you were in theaters for a weekend and Disney Plus. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we talked about it on a previous episode. I mean, it, it's not a, I, I mean, have you, have you seen it yourself yet? I have. I have. In fact, a, a kind of an interesting story. We, we were, uh geez this was two weeks ago um you know it, it had been out in theaters i want to say a week at that point and uh, you know the the rumors were that all the theaters in the states were going to be closing shortly so and we were also hearing about how theaters were practicing social distancing and i thought well i need to see this movie and i want to see what social distancing in a movie theater looks like um so but but to do Harken back to what you were saying about the, the Chinese theaters. It was the exact same thing you described. We went to the 12 noon performance of, of Onward, and there were four people in the theater, myself, Nancy, and, and a younger brother and sister. Wow. But, of course, <laughs> given you know how the idiots who were operating the theater were working, they, they literally put us all in the same row. You know, <laughs> it was like one of these things. Where it's like, I think I'm going to move like four rows down. You know, just you know, so we'll do the social distancing on our own. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, look, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the best thing that Pixar has done. I think it ends well. Um, yep. You know, it's a, a very strong ending. Mm. Um, I, in a weird sort of way, it's also you know one of the smaller Pixar films. I mean, real, when you think about how much of that movie is, uh, what Ian and Barley and half of their dad in a van, 
Um, you know, it, it's 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 a weirdly intimate film at points, but yeah, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily Cars too bad. No, um, no. You know, I, I but I definitely put it in say the bottom third of the Pixar filmography. Um, but on the other hand, if I'm seeing it at home on my couch, you know, um, I'd be entertained. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a I think there's a big difference. I mean, I mean, both myself and, and Mister D, um, we had uh, membership cards to a, a cinema chain in the UK, so we would pay a flat fee. Um, every month and we would be able to go and see whatever films we wanted whenever we wanted um, I know there was a similar scheme like that in America but it didn't work in the same way and it, it flopped well it didn't flop the company went under didn't it but it did, um, it did. Mm-hmm. we um, so we, we've had those cards here for, for years and, and so for us to go and see something like Onward we've effectively paid for the ticket anyway and we've probably gone and seen other films so it doesn't matter um, about it but if you're somebody like Ryan, who um, doesn't have that kind of facility, who every time he goes to cinema, I mean, Ryan, how much do you pay? 13, 14 quid for a ticket? Uh, yeah, I mean, if not more of it, it's like IMAX. Yeah. So for Ryan to go and see Onward, he's paying, you know, 14, 15 quid anyway uh, for a film which may or may not be good. But for us, mm-hmm. it, it you know it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's just it's just time that we've spent watching it. Um, I actually saw it twice. I saw it once on my own. I saw it once with my wife and daughter. And um, the first time I actually quite enjoyed it. The second time I still it's still good. And like you say, it now's the ending. Um, mm-hmm. But and I think Mister D, you might have said this, but it feels very much like a DreamWorks film. Yeah. Yeah definitely feels more looks more dreamworks than than typical pixar yeah 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 it's got it's got a nod vibe because of the cats and stuff like that but like you say if it was appearing on disney plus absolutely you know i'd recommend it and and all of that kind of stuff um but yeah it was never going to be their their big hit i mean i think the fact they released it in march because they had soul coming out in the summer i think they were putting all their chips on soul to be honest to be their big film this year anyway and remember years previous when it's uh you know uh, pixar has two movies coming out uh you mentioned the good dinosaur or for that matter uh the third cars movie which i actually enjoyed the uh, third cars uh, movie is a hero i will will happily die on as it not being awful yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean but you know that but again at the same time the problem was that you know cars 2 was so terrible that uh, there were a lot of people who just would not go back. You, you know, that that that's they, you know, they effectively poisoned the well. And uh, and when you think about how much money Disney has made on the back of cars, uh, you know, just. But at the same time, I mean, it, it, it's important to remember when you're looking at, at Cars too. Uh, this is the film that uh, John Lasseter made. You know, the year he broke his arm and the year he lost his dad. And, you know, there's, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes there that kind of contributed to the fact that that film is just a mess. But, mm. um, but and we, we don't have to get into the, the other aspects of Mr. Lasseter's career. So, <laughs> um, so, but I mean, what, you know, so it, it's interesting with Onward. Um, America is getting it in April. 
Um, I, I saw today that Australia and New Zealand are getting it. Um, I'm not sure if it's April or May, but it's it's being put on there fairly quickly. Um, mm. In the UK, um, we can't buy it on demand, and there is no indication of when we will get it. Um, we we do, we don't also have Frozen Two. Um, I think Ryan, you pointed out it's coming out in July. Uh, yeah, it is. It's um, the middle of July, I think. And it says on the UK Disney Plus that it's uh, due to previous licensing agreements. It yeah. actually says that. Okay. Which is why we got Disney Plus late in the first in the first instance because of um, outstanding rights. And in fact, I think it was only two weeks before it launched that we actually got confirmation we were getting The Simpsons because originally oh. that wasn't going to be part of Disney Plus in the UK. Um, wow. Again, because of the existing licensing. Yeah. And that, you know, actually The Simpsons has turned out to be uh, the real get, you know, mm. um, you know, that, that, you know, that, that Disney is just floored. I mean, again, there's 30 seasons of The Simpsons at this point, or at least 30 seasons streaming on Disney Plus. And the number of people who, you know, especially now when they're trapped in their homes or, you know, have <laughs> made it a project, I'm going to watch all of The Simpsons. And, yeah. Um, you know, well, let me tell you, like. This, I'm the, one of the biggest. Obviously, I'm on this podcast, so I love Disney. But mm. I was, I was kind of potentially not going to get Disney Plus mm. until The Simpsons came on there for for one reason, and that's because you cannot get seasons one to thirty ad free, certainly, mm. but even in, in a particular order here in the UK, unless you pay an insane amount of money. Whereas fifty fifty pounds, fifty pounds for the year for mm. 30 seasons of The Simpsons, that's that's a no-brainer for me. And I think I think we've got all the episodes of The Simpsons on there. Um, mm. Whilst I know when I was checking out um, Disney+, Plus when I got the American version, that there were a few episodes in certain seasons that were missing. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, and now, I, 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 sorry, I, I have huh? to interrupt here for a sec, because... Um, Nancy Cartwright, the the voice of Lisa Simpson. Uh, are you familiar with the uh, Murder Squad podcast with Paul Holtz? And I'm blanking the the other gentleman who, who I, does it. I've never. Uh, I, I I'm familiar with it, but I've never actually listened to it. Okay. Well, well, Nancy was a, a recent uh, guest on their podcast, and it turns out she also does a true true crime podcast, which I, which I apologize, I'm blanking the name of. But they got talking about, uh, you know, the, the Disney acquiring Simpsons. And I, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the short video they prepared, um, you know, that they sort of announced that the Simpsons were, were coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, I thought it was uh, tremendous. We, uh, we shared it in our little group. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a lovely little announcement. Well, well, here's the thing. Nancy was talking about the original version of this. Thing. Remember, in in the the end, doesn't it end with like Dumbo falling on Homer? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it turns out that Disney was perfectly fine with all of the gags they were doing and all of the references to the Disney company, except in the original version of the ad, Dumbo fell out of the sky and died when he hit Homer. 
And it was like, you know, Disney was like, okay, we, everything else is fine, but you can't kill Dumbo. All right. You know, just sort of, you know, we do have a live action film <laughs> that we've recently done. Yeah, yeah, they're doing that to the themselves. Fun. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I just, I love the fact that, you know, that, that that was where they drew the line. It's like, okay, yeah, everything else is fine. You can't kill Dumbo. So, <laughs> I can't wait till they start lampooning Bob Iger um, in the oh. way that they used to do the same with um, Rupert Murdoch. So I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Or Chapek now, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Chapek's going to be hard to make fun of because he's nobody knows him. I mean, he he literally at this point he's a blank slate. So, you know, you know, how do you make you know, how how do you have a definitive opinion about Vanilla? You know, I think so. I think they could just turn him into a robot. I mean, he's the most robotic man I've seen. <laughs> a bit like a bit like how they had Bender in Futurama. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted to kind of uh, ask you to, you know, if if you what you knew about this situation, what you've heard is there's been a lot of talk, um, especially in the last few days, about what is going to be next. So. Obviously, uh, originally Disney said nothing was going to change. Then they said we're going to delay Mulan um, for about the the eighty seventh time. We're going to delay the New Mutants film, um, but Black Widow that's still coming out. Then they of course announced Black Widow is going to be indefinitely uh, delayed um, because they don't know when they're going to be able to release it. And the rumors kind of rambling around now that um, both uh, Mulan and Black Widow are going to um, have a similar kind of story to Onward, where they will probably just go straight to On Demand, um, and then Disney Plus. So I I wondered what you have heard around that. All right. Now, I I have to caution you that, that, you know, I I literally just did a full show about this, having kind of spent an hour on the phone (laughs) with my friend at the studio, who absolutely assured me that, you know, they, you know, they, they come hell or high water, Mulan was going to come out into theaters, and then right behind that was going to be Black Widow, you know, um, and, you know, the, the, the analogy they move, they get in front of the studios is like, look, these are 747. You know, we have them, in fact, we have 16 films this year between everything we're releasing for Pixar, everything we're releasing for 20th Century, you know, our own Disney titles, you know, and, you know, we've deliberately spaced them apart so they each have, you know, at least three weeks of, of screen time to themselves. And, you know, and so I put together this podcast, I explained that, and then the very, you know, literally the day after it goes up, Mulan gets pulled. And then 10 days later, Black Widow gets pulled. And I called and said, hello? And he said, well, look, all right, there's still 747s, but what do you do when everybody rolls up their runways? You know, I mean, all you know, all the theaters in the states closed, and all the theaters in in China are closed, and and that was the one shining light. You know, was the notion of okay, China says they're going to reopen theaters, and it's like okay, you know, and that that's going to be a good thing. And then, well, that's six days, and they're closed again. Um, what I've been told, uh, you know, again, it just you know, I regularly pester folks at the theaters. Um, in the case of, you know, Mulan was written and filmed and staged in such a way that this Disney envisioned this being the biggest hit they ever had in China. You know, that, that so that's the thing. This film couldn't be released anywhere else in the world and certainly can't show up on Disney Plus because, you know, the, 
you know, the second it does, it'll be pirated and be all over China. So it's like, I mean, that's, you know, we have to be completely honest here. That's one of the reasons the new Disney release model for, you know, whether it's, you know, Endgame or Infinity Wars or the like, if it's a big event movie, it opens in China first because that makes it impossible for them to pirate it. You know, so you, you, you get people who actually are buying tickets. And yes, you know, that, that's, you know, four and five days later, it's still available on the street in Shanghai because that's just the way the things are. Life is in, in, in China. They, they, they don't have a whole lot of respect for intellectual property. And, and Disney's OK with that. You know, they're not enthusiastic, but they're OK. You know, as long as you get, you know, four and five worth of days worth of ticket sales, that's fine. Um, but in the case of, of Black Widow and Mulan, again, with these event films that were deliberately built to open in China early and then go elsewhere. And, you know, it's just sort of like it makes no sense to especially Mulan is two hundred million dollars. And. Depending on who you talk to, Black Widow is 150 to 70 million, and you know it's just sort of like, I, and and especially in the case of Black Widow, this is the film that launches Phase Four mm. of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, um, you know, the the thinking now is like, okay, so we have, um, oh, I am blanking the Marvel movie, The Immortals. What is the uh, the, one that's Eternals. Eternals, my mistake. The Eternals uh, is opening in November. Uh, you know, the, the thinking at Disney right now is, you know, there are films that can potentially be moved out of the way. There are, uh, you know, for example, Disney had sort of a handshake agreement with uh, Columbia about you know, for example, leaving the weekend that Venom 2 was going to be opening at theaters in early October open, you know, just sort of like keeping Disney and 20th Century Fox and Pixar and Lucas off that date because it's like some of the money from Venom is going to go into Marvel Entertainment's pocket. And mm -hmm. you know, at this point, that's off the table, you know, just sort of like, you know, we'll be putting these films out where we can find dates this year. But again, it, it is circling back to the exact same thing you, you were saying early in the show it's you know it it doesn't necessarily make sense to put these films out in theaters at a time when people are just not going to the movies so i, I think there's going to be sort of keep these things on ice for a while i mean for example did you see what universal decided to do with uh what is it a fast and furious nine um i i've got my own theory on this which i talked about on universal after dark for mm -hmm. them to move it an entire year, well, it's 11 months, isn't it? Because um, mm -hmm. I think it was supposed to open in May and it'll open in April 2021. Mm -hmm. I believe there's got to be some reshoots or something involved. I cannot, I cannot understand why they would move a film a whole year back when they haven't really got anything else coming out. It just seems I, too far. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, I've been talking with folks at Universal because, of course, they were going to be doing that peacock live event uh yes fact, yeah this this month um uh, and you know the whole notion is look it's just you don't understand we've managed to turn the fast and furious um you know that that when we release them in that window in that early you know uh early summer late spring window uh we we have a license to print money 
And it's like, if we do a Fast and Furious movie any other time of year, we will not make the same amount of money that we do in that April-May window. You know, we know that from the eight previous Fast and Furious films. Mm. So it's like, you know, that's the thing. It just, we, you know, when you looked at, at this, these, this film and, you know, when the audience will turn out and, you know, you know, it, 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 we said, well, remember when Bond only came out in, you know, the fall, you know, it was, a, you know, the holiday picture. Mm. Uh, and in fact, that was what was kind of, uh, you know, interesting about No Time to Die. Uh, coming out in the spring, and it was just sort of like, but you're a Bond movie. <laughs> Don't you know you're supposed to be in the fall? Well, uh, when when they used to release uh, Bond films in the summer, mm-hmm. they never did well, did they? Because that was, I mean, admittedly, that was the the eighties and Timothy Dalton. I was about to say that the, the you Timothy Dalton, you know, and and Roger Moore went, you know, just the Double O Seven with a Walker at that point. You know, I, 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 like, I actually like the Timothy Dalton films, but. It was not a good time uh, for Bond films, uh, you know, and, and you could argue putting them up against like your Indiana Joneses and your Back to the Futures and your Ghostbuster twos mm-hmm. were, were reasons um, why License to Kill didn't like really take off. But um, I mean, I, I suppose with Mulan, that definitely mm-hmm. doesn't need to come out anytime soon. There is no need for that to come out in terms of the strategy of of what happens next black widow is more interesting because like you say this is supposed to be the first film of phase four and we've got the second film of phase four at the moment opening up in i think november um, uh, of this year but that 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 gets a that that gets to be complicated algebra because remember this whole you know, this new thing Kevin Feige is doing, how, you know, for example, what is it, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. was supposed to, you know, help set up the Immortals, which in turn was supposed to help set up WandaVision, which in turn was supposed to help set up, you know, Doctor Strange and, you know, the the, the multiverse of madness. And now, you know, and, and that's the other thing from, you know, I, I you know, I, I just picture Kevin Feige sitting at his desk right now. Again, doesn't matter that it's not five o'clock in LA. The gin is open, and it's like, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> you know, just you know, all of these elaborate plans that have gone out the window because uh, nobody knows when going to the movies is going to be going to the movies again. Well, so, to be honest, they could. You know, let, let's just say that similar to like the theme parks, we get to see the cinemas reopen again um, mm-hmm. at the end of the summer. Um, and then everyone's in a rush to try and get their, their stuff out. So obviously, you know, Ghostbusters was going to be a big summer film this year. Um, that's, you know, going to have to do, they're going to have to figure something out for that. But let's just say... You mean uh, you mean Stranger Things Part 4? Uh, yes, yeah, Stranger, <laughs> Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1. Um, <laughs> with, with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Um, okay. But if we, you know, let's just say they open late summer and so Disney go, actually, you know what, we're going to bump some films out of the way and Black Widow is now going to get that spot that uh, one of their other films was, was going to have. So it comes out in time and, and all this kind of stuff. There, there's every chance that they release Black Widow and that film which should have made, you know, 80 to $100 million in its opening weekend makes $30 million in its opening weekend because people still aren't coming out. And in which case, what do you do? Because do you release that uh, on demand, you know, in the next few months 
and try and get as much money back on it as you can before it goes to Disney Plus? Or do you hold off till it gets a cinema release and hope that people will turn out for it? Well, and the other thing is, right, the, this could completely change the entire model. I, I've always said, if 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 I need to pay $20 or £20 to watch Black Widow at home versus mm-hmm. going to the cinema... Now, I prefer to go to the cinema in an ideal world, mm-hmm. but I'm busy. I'm a, I've got a kid on the way. Like, mm-hmm. come summer, it's going to be incredibly difficult for me to go out to the, go and see something at the cinema. I will pay £20 to watch Black Widow at home without a doubt and i i would i would happily do it and i know a lot of my, my friends would as well because everyone leads a, a busy life and a trip to the cinema is, is not only a trip out for an hour and a half it's sometimes a, a travel on a train or car spending money on food you know you add it adds up it adds up to like, like half a day out sometimes well whereas you, you can sit down at home with your dinner and watch black widow perfect and look it, I, not going to say you're wrong, um, because you know, the, realistically, at some distant point in the future, this will be the world we live in. The problem is that I want to say February fourth, uh, the most recent Disney earnings call. Uh, here's Bob Iger talking about, you know, we love the theatrical distribution window. We don't see that changing anytime soon, you know. <laughs> and uh, more to the point, here in the states. Uh, when Universal decided to go with um, uh, putting Trolls World Tour out, uh, you know, on uh, April 10th, you know, both you know, as a, uh, you know, again, that 1999, 48-hour window, there was, in fact, you can go on Variety and read the comments uh, from, the, you know, the head of the uh, the National uh, the, or the North American Theater Owners Organization. And it basically comes across as, you know, I mean, the guy literally says, we will not forget this, you know, exhibitor, you know, di- you know, di- other people like Disney, you know, you know, what they did with Onward, we understand it was out in theaters, the theaters closed, they had to make money. Universal didn't even explore, explore that idea. They just announced that, that this is what they're going to do with Trolls, you know, World Tour, and we will not forget that. And and that's the thing that that you know there is this whole biz, you know, it talk you're basically talking about walking away from a whole uh, you know business model, and and at the same time, think about and and, and look, you know, I I remember when I had my own daughter Alice, you know, and you know, we as young parents would try to still go out to the movies. And, uh, you know, my wife and I had, you know, would have an agreement, you know, going into the theaters. Whose turn is it to take Alice out to the lobby when she starts to, to cry or garble or, or, or that sort of thing? And and we stood by that, you know, just sort of, I guess we weren't going to blow it for other people there who paid money to, to see a movie. Um, so, you know, it just... For me, I don't want to lose the theatrical experience. Some of my favorite times ever are, you know, I mean, the first time I saw Star Wars and the Millennium Falcon came diving out of the sun or to get back to Jaws. You know, think about, you know, when the entire audience jumped when the guy's head fell out of the boat or, you know, why don't you come down here and chum this, you know, when the shark's head comes out of the water. Um, You don't get that when you're sitting alone at home on the couch. You get that when you're in a theater with three to 500 perfect strangers who are all in tune with the movie that's on screen. So, 
Um, I, I, I really hope in some form that survives, but, but again, who knows in, you know, if this thing lasts, uh, again, till July of August of this year and, and not to be a complete bummer here, but, um, if, you know, if you know your, your history, you know, for example, the Spanish flu here in the States, it wasn't the first wave that was especially deadly. It was the second wave that happened like four months after, uh, in, in actually what, in 1920, uh, you know, after everyone was like, Oh, the Spanish flu is over. We can get on with our lives. And it came back with a vengeance. And that's when it really decimated the population. So, you know, I mean, we, we kind of also have to be ready for that, that yes, if we all behave ourselves and, you know, do the social distancing, we can flatten the curve and maybe, you know, possibly get back to our lives. But, you know, you know, the very thing you were talking about earlier about what's to say that once you get, you know, COVID-19 that you can't get it again. So, um, I don't know. Again, I, I hate for that to be the drumbeat for this entire show, but, you know, so many of these questions are like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. No, and it, and it is speculation. And, you know, I, I've recorded a few episodes uh, of this show this month. Uh, we did Universal After Dark last week, and, and that was a pretty Debbie Downer episode as well. But because, unfortunately, you know, you can you can do a podcast and be all sunshine, lollipops and rainbows if that's what you really want to do. But I'd much rather talk about the realities and the, you know, what ifs. Because we, you know, we do not know what is going to happen right now. You know, no one knows, and we we have to speculate. Um, and, and also, you know, yeah, Disney raised six billion dollars in a day, right, by mm-hmm. by selling bits and pieces, but they are losing millions every day. Those theme parks are closed. They are losing money every time they miss a release date. I mean, uh, gone are the days. And I, I mean, Jim, you are obviously. Uh, fully aware of this i know but you know if you think back to when they used to have the promotion with mcdonald's every year Mm. and they 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 couldn't delay a film coming out um they had to get a film out every year at the same time roughly in order for them to sell happy meals and they had to release a film disney don't have that problem anymore disney kind of make up their own rules but they also need to make money they've got shareholders and um, you know, people that look at them and they need to to have money coming in and if they are not able and it's not their fault, obviously, but if they are not able to um, you know, release all the films that they've spent all this billions of dollars on, um, and they're not making any money, at some point they've got to make a decision on that. And, you know, if you look at the slate this year, like you said, like sixteen films, there are clearly films in that slate which would quite easily make the jump to home release straight away. Artemis oh. Fowl. Oh. For one, you know. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I want to see Josh Gad in troll mode on the big screen. And <laughs> more to the point, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Kenneth Branagh's movies. You know, that, that, so that, am I. So am yeah. I. But let's, yeah. let's be honest. Like, you know, and again, we've talked about this before on, on episodes. Disney and live action don't do very well. When it's when it's they, original content, and they do seem to have thrown the source material in the bin based on the trailer. Yeah, it does seem like they've taken quite a big jump. 
and I'm sure Kenneth Branagh's film will be great for what it is, but it's it's certainly not going to be the film that readers of the book will be expecting. But you know, we saw this with uh, A Wrinkle in Time. You know, that oh, was a oh, big budget oh, movie. No, <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> but you be you know. <laughs> can't make me you know i i literally i i have in fact it's so funny i would i'm trying to uh use my time positively here and, and i'm trying to wrangle my library <laughs> into shape and i just the other day i came across the the making a book of wrinkle in time and you know that i've never cracked the spine of that thing because it's just i could smell that film from you know from four miles away it's like no no not going no you know oprah winfrey nope nope not gonna go you know, um, even my daughter, my daughter saw the trailer for it. I mean, she was—I don't know, she was young, four or five when it came out, um, and and she was looking forward to it. And when she saw it, she was like, "Yeah, I didn't really like that, Daddy." And she—I mean, this is a kid who likes the Playmobil movie, right? So she will pretty much watch any crap. Um, and even she was like, "This is a step too far." I'll tell you what. What tends to happen is. <laughs> I've noticed a bit of a pattern. Not not all always true, but whatever trailer or extended trailer is playing in uh, Walt Disney Presents tends to be a massive flop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be fair, Mal- Maleficent, Maleficent uh, Mistress of Evil was one of the later ones, wasn't it? And that uh, you had Wrinkle in Time, flopped. and you had Nutcracker as well. Oh yeah, she liked that one though. To be fair, apparently. Yeah, the yeah. Narnia one in that as well, didn't they? The same. <gasps> yeah. For forever as well, wasn't it? Prince Valiant. Was, uh, not Prince Valiant. What was it? Prince Casp- Caspian? Yeah. yeah. And, and the, I don't know if you guys remember the story, but Disney was, in fact, supposed to make the Dawn Trader. In fact, they, they had the lumber to build the sets was down in Baja, California, uh, for the Disney version, that they were actually going to use the same water tank that James Cameron had shot a, a lot of the scenes for Titanic in. And, you know, and they just look at the box numbers, numbers and it's like, what? How stupid are we? We're going to make a third one of these? It's like, no. <laughs> and just pulled the plug. We're, we're willing to walk away from that much lumber, and they'd already rented the studio. And like, we're not doing another one of these. Um, uh, but, uh, again, you do. You mentioned shareholders just a moment ago. Uh, I wanted to share something. Uh, again, you got to remember, earlier this month, um, down in Raleigh, North Carolina, Disney had its annual shareholders meeting. And, you know, this is, and this is all going down, uh, you know, and, but, but the interesting thing is Bob Iger opened the meeting before handing it off to Bob Chapek. And this is what he said to the crowd there at the, the convention center. It's like, look, we're all sobered by the concern we feel for everyone affected by this global crisis. These are challenging times for everyone, but it's also important to note that throughout our company's nearly century-long history, Disney's been through a lot, including wars, economic downturns, and natural disasters. And what we demonstrated repeatedly over the years is that we are incredibly resilient. Our future has always been bright and remains so, so for good reason. In fact, when you think of the world today, what we create at Walt Disney Companies has never been more necessary or more important. So long story short, yeah, I mean, okay, so a year's worth of movies, somebody has to make the call about, you know, do they go on Disney Plus? Do we sit on them for a year? Do we change release dates? Um, You know, but again, we're not, you know, we haven't flattened a curve here. We don't know when the theaters are reopening yet, so nobody can make any decisions. 
And in the meantime, if you look ahead to think about all, you know, they were a week away from starting production of the Little Mermaid live action reboot in London when that got shut down earlier this month. Uh, likewise, what is it? Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And, you know, they, you know, uh, you know, they were already doing uh, prep of, of some sort on Thor, Love and Thunder. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that got impacted by this. But well, it's it, still it, saying it, that um, Doctor Strange is going to, or are they still preparing to start filming that in June? Well, I but you know it, it, the interesting thing, you know, remember how we all got ex so excited about Sam Remy was supposedly you know going to take over for uh, what's his name, and we still haven't heard about you know how that deal's gotten signed. Um, again, you know, just to, to carry on the theme we've established a show so far, nobody knows. Uh, <laughs> But that's not going to talk, stop us from talking or speculating or, you know, sharing the, you know, uh, you know the, the, the one little tidbit of info, you know, we all have. And, you know, hoping that, you know, in the end, you know, we get to go back to the parks, we get to go back to the theaters and enjoy movies or or at the very least they show up on Disney Plus. So uh, I think we found the strap line for this week's uh, episode, which is nobody knows, but um, <laughs> Jim, uh, we'll wrap up in just a second because I don't want to take up. Uh, too much more of your time and i really appreciate it and um, before we go to um you know where people can find you i just have one final question for you um another speculation uh this was a rumor started by me but actually i <laughs> it then kind of got reported publicly so I, I don't know if people were listening to this or they just come to the same conclusions but with everything going on with disney at the moment with the theme parks being closed with the films you know kind of being in a state of disarray and no one really know what's going on. Do you think that there is any kind of possibility that uh, somebody like Apple could end up trying to buy the Disney company this year? Uh, all right. Um, I know. In, in fact, it was kind of interesting when when Iger announced effective immediately. I'm no longer the CEO. Um, you know that that a lot of people was like, "What does that mean?" Hmm. Um, and let's also remember, what was it? Uh, I want to say it was September last year. Bob Iger resigned from Apple's board of directors ostensibly because, you know, there, Apple had its own subscription streaming service, Apple TV, and Disney was getting ready to launch Disney Plus, and it didn't seem ethical that, you know, Bob would have the inside track as to what Apple TV was going to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, look, you know, uh, obviously the, the Disney stock took a, a tremendous hit, as did all entertainment companies when, you know, there was that severe market correction here in the States. Uh, so, it, you know, and, and the Disney stock price came down to, you know, a, a kind of tempting price point. Um, but, you know, the, the weird thing is the very thing that we're going through right now um, you know, the people working from home, the social distancing, um, that kind of precludes the very sorts of conversations you kind of have to have if you're looking to do an acquisition of this size, let alone the fact that Apple's board of directors and Disney's boards of directors would have to be on board and, you know, there'd have to be face-to-face -face meetings to do that. I don't think anybody would be comfortable doing, you know, I mean, you'd be talking an acquisition that would dwarf what, you know, Disney just did for 
you know, those film and television assets for 20th century. I mean, and that could remember that started off at 52 billion and eventually became 71.4 billion. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's great. It's fun to talk about that sort of thing. I just don't know in this environment, you know, at this moment, uh, you know, whether that that could in fact happen. But of course, the irony is that Steve Jobs, you know, always talked about, you know, that that, you know, he he felt that someday Disney and Apple would get together, mm. you know, uh, you know, that it just seemed like a natural fit, uh, you know, between you know, a technologically advanced company and a company that had absolutely killer content. Uh, and let's not remember, or, or, or let's not forget that, you know, Iger's own book, Ride of the Lifetime, talks about one of his principles of, of you know, the, the, the way he operated Disney was that, that, you know, let's make use of the most advanced technology possible. And that's Apple. So... Yeah. Boy, we're getting back to the same theme. I don't know. You know, uh, I, I have just enough information to be confused. So, but but intrigued, but also confused. Uh, and let's not forget, of course, as well, that the Apple TV service is called Apple TV Plus. So again, oh, you know, oh, oh, Illuminati, oh, okay. get your tinfoil hats. <laughs> okay, I, I bow down to your, your ability to thread the needle there. All right, there we go. Um, so Jim thank you so much for coming on um, I, I, people probably know already where to find you but um, you know if they're not familiar already with where they can find you um, where can they find you uh, or hear you on way too many podcasts at this point uh, let's see <laughs> so I. I do Disney Dish with Len Testa I do Marvelous uh, Disney with Aaron Adams I do Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor where we talk about a lot of Disney-related animation news. I do uh, I Want That with Michelle Valladolid, where we talk about Disney merch. Then there's the Looking at Lucasfilm podcast I do with Dan Z. Uh, and finally, uh, Universal Joint, which I do with Dustin Fuse. So you and I work the, the same side of the street. And yeah, it's an interesting time to, to try to talk about Universal. Um, you know, that that's... <laughs> You know, I'm going to be recording a new show with Dustin at some point this week, and it's like, I got to find one good, good story to tell about Universal right now. I mean, um, well, I, you know, which sort of way they, they've been as supportive of their employees as Disney has, that they're, they're still paying their hourlies. It's true. Um, you know, so there's that. Um, but after that, it, you know, it gets kind of thin. So. <laughs> Well, Jim, thank you so much for, for joining us. It's always a pleasure, um, and we will not leave it two years until the next time. But uh, thank you very much for, for coming on. Uh, and thank you for, for listening. Thank you for uh, downloading, streaming, whatever you do to hear this. Um, it's much appreciated, uh, especially at these trying times. So on behalf of... Uh, the rest of the team that aren't here tonight, as well as, uh, obviously, Mr. D and Ryan, uh, thank you for, for sticking with us. And, uh, you know, there will be a rainbow at some point. There will be a light at the end of the tunnel. We will go back to normality. Um, but until then, we'll just carry on regardless. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Jim. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, I always enjoy it, guys. So thanks for the invite.
This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.